This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hey, welcome back. Church for the rest of us. We are broadcasting live from atop our complex in downtown West Palm Beach at Family Church. This is the Church for the Rest of Us studio, also known as my office. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And I have with me, as always, Carly Seelman, our engineer, Leslie Bennett, my co-host, and Pastor Aaron Philippons with us today. He's our pastor at Family Church Gardens, and Aaron also oversees all of our campus pastors. He's the team leader for our campus pastors. So there are 13 Family Church campuses, and uh, Aaron helps to coach and lead, and he's the team leader for those guys and uh, campus directors. So uh, one of them is actually a woman. So Leslie, we're going to talk today about how to do the ordinances and how we think about the ordinances during the coronavirus crisis. And it really raises some interesting procedural, practical, and theological issues. It really does. And we practice Lord's Supper ever since this started. So that was something on your heart to do. We don't normally have the Lord's Supper every week. We usually do it the fourth Sunday of the month, but we've been taking it every week since we've gone to Family Church at Home, we're calling it. And then now we've had baptisms as well. So Aaron, I know you're leading our team as we look for those baptisms. So why don't we start with baptisms first? Sure. Yeah. So when you think about what is a church, one of the identifying qualifications of even being a church is celebrating the ordinance together. You want to have qualified leadership and you want to regularly celebrate the ordinances. And there's really no pattern for how often Jesus says, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And so we're trying to do that, but we're doing it in new ways and different ways that we haven't had to think about before. And so with baptism in particular, we're trying to baptize using social distancing. And so we're learning some things. We did one, I think two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and it's hard had, to remember. I know. It's, is today Monday? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and we had, I think, two or three people in the water. All of us watching at home were watching it and thought, ooh, things have changed so fast. Mm-hmm. Next time we do that, we need to have less people in the water, maybe just immediate family members baptizing. There needs to be more distance. We need to think differently about how we're doing it. And it's all changing so fast. And so we've implemented some of those changes this week. That's right. Yeah. And so, Aaron, when we talk to some of our friends around the country that are leading churches, some of them have particular concerns. So like we have friends whose churches aren't even meeting because they don't think it's right to meet online. We have others who would say, hey, we're going to meet and do Bible teaching so people can study at home. But you know, we have some concerns about practicing the ordinances virtually or being led online. And uh, we've talked about a lot about this and thought a lot about this, but we've just come to the conclusion that our theology is not violated by doing this. So Aaron, why don't you just talk us through a little bit about the theology of practicing the Lord's Supper, or let's just stick with baptism, doing that. What, what are some theological concerns and how have we kind of thought through those? Yeah. So obviously you want to make sure you're staying true to the text. And so we believe in what's called believers baptism by immersion. And so we want to make sure that these people are genuine believers, that they have a conversion story, that they've received Christ, that they understand what they're being baptized into. We're also not just baptizing them into the universal church. We're also baptizing them into a local church. And so when we baptize at family church, they're joining in as members of this church body. 
And so before we baptize them, we're going to meet with them, make sure that they have a testimony, make sure that they understand what salvation is all about, what baptism is all about, that it's symbolic, that it's not salvific. We want them to understand what we believe theologically, but we also want them to know they're joining as members of family church. When they go under that water and they come up, we're receiving them into the membership of family church. And none of that changes through social distancing. We can still do all of that from afar. Yeah. And so the only concern that someone could raise is like, hey, it's supposed to be a public declaration to your church family of your conversion story and your commitment to Christ and your commitment to the to the local church body. And we don't think any of those things are violated by doing it online. In fact, it might even be more represented because normally if someone baptizes at Family Church Boca or Family Church Gardens or Family Church Downtown, the people that are part of our body at the other locations may not even be aware of it. And so now all of these baptisms are actually being shared with our entire church family. Or even beyond that, like yesterday, we were watching our services and participating in our services. And I had a church member who was moderating one of the chat rooms and said, hey, I've got someone I've been praying for in Boston that just Mm -hmm. hopped online Mm -hmm. and was watching our services. And so the testimony of that baptism is going further and further beyond than it would in a a live setting. Yeah. In fact, we had uh, some people who actually received Jesus during our online services yesterday, Sunday. They're going to be baptized this coming Sunday. Mm -hmm. And it was a direct result of the part of it is the baptism story and the other conversion stories that we shared in our services over the weekend. So we are seeing that carried out. So we feel very good about uh, baptism. And again, we have a pretty high view of baptism, even as Baptist churches go, Leslie, because we require someone to join our church in order to be baptized. Yeah. And that's unusual. Yeah. And how about we tell the story from what happened just this past Sunday at at what was Family Church Point St. Lucie and just the story and then how we baptized according to the things that you just talked about, Aaron, that Mm -hmm. would meet those criteria that you laid out. Yeah. So I'll do my best. Um, I think you might remember part of the conversion story and how they actually came to Christ, but I think they were in jail and someone... She had a recovery background. She mm-hmm. did do have some time in jail, and she came to Christ and knew that she needed to get baptized. I think then her husband more recently came to Christ, and their son completed our kids' new believers class before we went to virtual or online church. Right. So they had all confessed their personal faith in Christ. The son had been through our kids' new believers class, which is something that we do at Family Church with kids that want to be baptized. Mm-hmm. So then... Yeah, so they were the, all prepared. Mm-hmm. Someone had met with them, heard their story, and so we baptized the dad of Mm -hmm. the family. We had Pastor Josh by himself in the water, just the two of them. Pastor Josh baptized- Elbows uh, locked. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Baptized the dad. Then Josh stepped away and the dad baptized his wife. Right. And then together, the two parents baptized their child. And I think I noticed when that happened that Ben- Raul, who's our children's pastor, got in the water just to be socially there, distanced, socially right. distanced yeah. in the water, just to be there while the son was baptized. So I thought yeah. we did it in a very appropriate way. Mm-hmm. We let the family be there together. We had our pastors there, so they represent our church. And of mm-hmm. course, like you said, more people watched it probably than would have Most normally baptisms. seen it anyway. Right, right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk Lord's Supper. Okay. So we also take the Lord's Supper. Now, normally we don't take the Lord's Supper every week. And the reason we don't, I wouldn't mind taking it every week. I would enjoy it every week. It's just really for time's sake. And because again, we have a high view, the Lord's Supper. And so we think that baptism and church membership are prerequisites to the Lord's Supper, just like it says in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. And we actually practice that and believe it and teach it. 
And so it takes some time to sort of fence the table. In other words, explain what we believe about the Lord's Supper, who we think should be taking it, who might not should be taking it. And uh, it just takes quite a bit of time. So we don't do that every single week. We do it once a month. But now we actually have a little bit more time. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I love the way that our church does the Lord's Supper because we're not rushing it. One of the practices that we have in our worship services, is we call it fencing the table. That's not a new term. I think a lot of covenant churches use that term. A lot of reformed churches use that term. But what we're doing when we take the Lord's Supper is we're trying to let the congregation know this is something for believers in Christ who identify in membership with a church family who've been baptized by immersion And so then we'll typically say, hey, if you're a member at another church and you would normally take the Lord's Supper at your home church, then we invite you to take it with us as our guests. And I love that we do that because even yesterday, as we were taking it in my home, in our home, we have four people that have been baptized who are members of our church, but then we have two little ones who have not yet made a profession of faith. They've not been scripturally baptized. And so all of this is a teachable moment for my son, Eli, who's three, and my daughter, Grace, who's eight. And so we put our four crackers out and we put our four little cups of juice out. And week after week, over the last several weeks, Grace is looking at those four crackers and she's wondering, when do I get my cracker? (laughs) And so it's given us a lot of great follow-up conversations. And even yesterday, At the end of the message, we were teaching on Palm Sunday, and so the whole message was about allowing Jesus to be the king of your heart. My daughter's bowing her head, and she's praying, and she's working through her salvation right now. And it's so sweet that we allow these conversations about the Lord's Supper to even help bring about her salvation. Yeah, and we actually remark on that directly. Mm -hmm. We say to parents, whether we're in person or online, hey, look, if you have little children that have not yet been baptized, why don't you keep them from partaking? Obviously, we don't we don't have like a big hook that just jerks the, the bread out of someone's mouth. And it's self-policing. We explain right. it, and then people do it or they don't. But we do think that those things are important. Now, I have seen people say, you shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. It's for when we are gathered, mm. and right now we're scattered. And I generally actually agree with that, Leslie. Okay. So what's the exception? Why, why are you thinking differently about it? Well, I generally it? agree with it because I think I don't want everybody going home and just taking the Lord's Supper all the time whenever they want. I don't think that's the picture in the New Testament. The picture in the New Testament is the gathered church takes it together. Mm-hmm. But we also make exceptions. For instance, we take the Lord's Supper to shut-ins who are unable to leave their home because of mostly medical or life situations. So I think that everyone's in that situation right, right now. Right, exactly. We're so, all shut in. So we're all shut in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also think that the Lord's Supper is being overseen by pastors in our church, right. and we are directing people when to take it and what to put on the table. And we're saying, okay, take the bread now. Okay, take the cup now. We're singing a hymn afterwards together. So I actually think we're practicing online, virtually at home, uh, everything that we would practice if we were face-to-face. But it is interesting because I am a little uncomfortable because we have all these people like posting Instagram pictures and Facebook pictures and all this stuff saying, oh, we took it with a brownie and a Coke. (laughs) (laughs) And so people are using all kinds of elements. And how, how do we see that? Yeah. So I think these are holy moments that we're creating for our church family and for our children. If you have children in your home, you know, I want us to be very careful about the elements that we're using. When you think about what happened in the upper room with Jesus and the disciples, they were celebrating the Passover and those elements, you know, if you've ever participated in a Seder plate or a mm-hmm. Passover event, you know, the specificity that goes into the bitter herbs and the unleavened bread and the cups of wine, and they're all very symbolic. 
So after church this past Sunday, one of my sons, who shall remain nameless, says, hey, dad, next week, how about we use Cheez-Its? Okay. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind when he talked about his broken body. Okay. And so I want us to be very careful that that we're creating holy moments that are etched into our minds and the minds of our kids as we're teaching them about what these things really do represent. And so at my home, we huddle up around the coffee table and we all get on our knees And while you're leading us from the platform by video, we all take a few minutes and we pray out loud and say, Jesus, thank you for your broken body and thank you for your shed blood that gives us the salvation that we've received. And so it really does become a special moment for our own family worship as we're connecting with the greater family of our church family. Yeah. And when it comes to elements too, I do think that God is a God of details. I think that God gives us a lot of relatively detailed information about how to practice the ordinances. That's how come as Baptists, we're pretty particular about the mode of baptism. Mm -hmm. We don't just say, oh, get in whatever kind of water you want, whenever you want. We say, no, it needs to be done like this. It's by immersion. And so we have a very kind of a nuanced and detailed view of the mode of baptism. And I think we should be pay similar close attention to the elements that we use when we take the Lord's Supper. And so like right now, on the one hand, I'm thrilled for everybody to use whatever elements they have handy. So I don't want to be legalistic about it. So I don't want to come down on people and say, hey, I can't believe that you took Coke and, you know, whatever, Coca-Cola. Right. I I can't believe that you did that. And a Cheeto. Yeah. I'm not going to like do some blog or have some sermon about it because I don't think that's the spirit of what people are doing. On On the other hand... I do see some people violating what you said, Aaron. Instead of regarding it as a holy moment, I see some people almost trying to get as bizarre as possible. So in other words, I think they're taking the freedom and the symbolism of the Lord's Supper maybe further than I think that, who cares what I prefer? I think than what the Spirit would prefer for churches to do. And so if I was making a recommendation, I would say, hey, I think you ought to, in the best case scenario, you ought to take some unleavened bread and let's just call it a cracker, Mm -hmm. at least that. And then you take some kind of grape juice or wine, or whatever you have in your home. And that would be my preference that everyone would do that. At the same time, don't want to be legalistic or be a jerk about people who, oh my gosh, I forgot to get the. So I had orange juice and an English muffin. Okay. I I think it's okay, but I don't, I just think people, you know, now that we're doing this, and I think we're going to be doing this for some time, they ought to prepare. Yeah. So yeah. And you, you can have it. I We've got our crackers. My husband insisted on crackers. He did thinks it needs to be He's unleavened. A, a theologian. He is. <laughs> needs to go. be unleavened. So we had to have crackers and grape juice. And I just want to echo what Pastor Aaron said. It's been such a sweet moment in our home, too, mm-hmm. which we don't have little kids anymore. But our son is home from college. He's 22. So it's the three of us around our coffee table with our three little pieces of cracker and our three little cups of juice. And it's just been such a... I've just loved every time that we've gotten to do it. It just feels so special as a family mm-hmm. to be able to recognize together that we believe in the broken body and the split and the shed blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. Mm-hmm. So thank you for leading us in that. Well, we yeah. only have we only have two ordinances in the mm-hmm. Bible. And so as best as we can, we really want to try and do them as accurately and as close to the scriptures as we can. It's not like we're in a famine. <laughs> like right. we can find some juice. You we can, can find, find some, juice and crackers. You can find juice and crackers. You might not find toilet paper, but right. you can find juice and crackers. <laughs> yeah. And so let's do the very best we can to try and honor the spirit and what those holy moments are supposed to look like. Yeah. And I think too, I know uh, my kids, so I, my kids are older than Aaron's, the ones I have at home, at least are younger than yours, Leslie. So 
my kids are from 10 to 21. And so it's funny because we've got, I don't know how this tradition has already developed in four weeks. Isaac, my 18 year old senior in high school is the deacon. <laughs> so like when, when I, when I'm, we're watching me on the screen, say, okay, we're going to sing this song. Then we're going to take the elements. Isaac gets up very solemnly, stands up, goes over, undoes the bottle, pours out the, pours out the juice, puts it on a tray, mm-hmm. serves everyone, gets the bread, serves everyone. It's just about to- <laughs> yeah. Does he take up an offering? He needs to take up the yeah, offering. Yeah, that's uh, We do online at my house. So. Although, yeah. So anyways, that's but uh, we Feeling have had good. a great time doing that. And it's created some, even a crisis like this creates its own special memories mm-hmm. and special moments that we'll always remember. Mm-hmm. The one thing I want our church to remember, because I think five years from now and 10 years from now, we'll have a whole slate of different problems. And this will mm-hmm. be in the rearview mirror. And I think... I want our church to always remember that during these times, our church fought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our church fought with everything we had to keep people connected. And our church continued to teach the Bible, to build families, to love our neighbors. I want them to remember that our church still was baptizing people, even during the crisis, that our church was still taking the Lord's Supper. And we were doing everything we could to hold together the church. And I want my own children to remember. I want them to tell my great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren about it, about the time when everything was shut down and school was out. But we still had church at our house. And all the family church families took the Lord's Supper together. And we sang the songs together. And we opened the Word of God together. And we cheered on baptisms together. (laughs) I want my children and our church family to remember that we we're the church out there, mm-hmm. even in the middle of the corona apocalypse. That's mm-hmm. good. I'm so proud that we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. Me too. And so thankful to get to serve with all three of you. And uh, if there was one thing, Leslie, that you would say to our listeners, pastors, church leaders, about the the ordinances when it comes to the coronavirus situation, what would you say to them? Well, when you were just talking, Pastor Jimmy, it made me think of Acts 2. Every church I've ever known, every church planter, it's always wanting to be the Acts 2 church. Every church is the Acts 2 church, right? So I really think that we are being the Acts 2 church, and we're doing those things. We're gathering in our homes with our families, being faithful to the things that God has told us to do as families and as a church. Mm -hmm. And I do hope that um, we will remember this for generations to come. Yeah, I think we will. How about Mm -hmm. you, Pastor Aaron? Yeah, I think every church has to figure out what's best and right for their own context. But at the same time, when we think about what is a church, we think about being organized under those pastors, those qualified leaders, and taking or practicing the ordinances, uh, taking the Lord's Supper and practicing baptism. And so it might not look like it's always looked like, but you can find ways to still be faithful to the text, not abandon your theology and practice these ordinances that do really hold our church together. Yeah, I agree with that so much. I think they ought to fight for it, and they ought to find a way. And then, Carly, one of the things that you've done so well, because you coordinate a lot of our social media presence, Mm -hmm. you have helped us put these pictures and these images that have taken by amateur photographers everywhere together. And I think that that encourages. Do you have any comments about how churches could even do that as a part of the way we celebrate ordinances? Sure. I think modeling the behavior, like you guys do so well here, you, Pastor Jimmy, you, Pastor Aaron, it's so great to be around such great examples of walking our faiths actively and what that looks like in real life. And I think if we can ask all of our people just to snap photos here and there on social media and share and comment us and tag us in, I think that gives us an opportunity to say, hey, this is what this looks like in your own neighborhoods. So I'm just really excited about what we're already receiving and what we will continue to receive on social media from our people. Yep. And I think that's really powerful too, because again, it's part of the way that we celebrate 
the ordinances. The ordinances aren't meant to be celebrated in secret. Right. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. meant to be celebrated in public. And you help us do that in just a huge way. Hey, thank you guys for joining us. All of you who are listening to this, you may want to know what it looks like. Uh, we have a video from this past weekend where we sang a song and baptized. We had the baptism story. We'll post that on the Church for the Rest of Us website there. You can check it out on our YouTube page or whatever. But we would love for you to take a gander at that. And then if you want to talk about it, you can call us, email us. We'll be glad to get on the phone or get on email or text or talk with you and help you any way that we can. Love all of you guys. It's awesome to get to be together at least in this venue. So thank you for listening. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.